very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. The questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and we're welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fambergas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. If this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And tonight we discuss Chapter 2 of the three-part series, Six Hours, with David Adair and his technology. Next month, we present Chapter 3. Only the first segment of Chapter 1 is available to the public, so Chapter 2 and 3 are exclusive to you very test member. If at any time in the future, the first part of these chapters becomes available to the public, then you know what to do. Just go to the subscribe button of our website at veritasradio.com and subscribe. That way you'll be able to listen to all of it and all of our material. And if you want to get in touch with me, have a guest suggestion, want to be a guest on this radio program, or simply have feedback, I always love to hear from you. Go to the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And tonight we continue with Chapter 2, The Life and Technology of David Adair. And that's No rivets, no screws. That, oh, that, see, that's the point I made about something. That got him upset. I told him, listen, guys, um, I guess you want me to look at this thing. It looks to me like it's some type of an electromagnetic engine, but it is so sophisticated. Let's start by the by nuts and bolts, okay? How do we hold this together? Yeah. The thing doesn't have a nut, bolt, rivet, weld seam, nothing. It looked like an eggplant, like it grew. And I'm going, how did you guys do that? Well, my question was not. I'm <laughs> not making them very happy. And um, I don't know how you built something that big. Years and years later, um, I worked on a project that I came up with in my own idea. And I think I know how they made something like that or whoever. Um, we're going to sidetrack here for just a minute. Uh, on Skylab, 1975. Uh, they melted some metal, and they in- introduced it into a vacuum or kind of a controlled area. Uh, the metal was heated up by an induction furnace by the sun from outside. So I believe it was aluminum, and it melts very quickly. I think it's 1,350 degrees Fahrenheit, aluminum melts. Uh, anyway, 
in this experiment in 1975 on Skylab, they melted the metal. Now the metal is floating. It's hot. You don't want that in your underwear. It's not going to be. It's not going to make you happy. How do you shape or hold metal in a weightless environment? Molten metal. How do you how do you handle molten metal in a weightless environment? It's like trying to nail jello to the wall or shovel smoke. We were faced with something at the first time called containerless processing. So the astronauts said, what if that thing floats over to the wall and burns a hole in the spacecraft and we decompress looking like Linguini going out the damn side? (laughs) They were not happy with Houston at all. And they said, did you guys not think through this? So we told them, they told them, well, don't. Don't move around too much and cause, you know, air currents and let it cool down. And um, so one of the guys plugged in a cassette tape to listen to some music. And he was listening to The Wall by Pink Floyd. And the sound waves started moving the metal everywhere. I went, really? So I had a device that I built. And what, on a six-speaker box, you could introduce molten metal in a weightless environment. And by using devices like, um, don't want to go too proprietary, but something like a keyboard mood synthesizer, you could do some things that's very cool. You could take a bar scanner, scan, let's say, something like your hand, feed it into this device I had that I built, and I can change any shape in the geometric universe to a corresponding sound. And so you play like the sound. Yeah, you play the sound, and the big lump that's laying in the speaker grid will turn to an exact clone copy of your hand. And I went, wow, we've got microgravity metal processing. And then it's what happens internally that's really cool. I had all the experts tell me. Your metal will be worthless. It'll be manufactured in a weightless environment. It'll come back to Earth in a 1G gravity field. It'll probably be rigid and break like glass. I said, I don't think so. I think it's just the opposite. If you look at metal that's been manufactured here on Earth and look at it on an atomic level, all of the, all of the atoms are just chaos because the gravity convection curves of the planet affects the metal when it's hardening. You can't get away from it on Earth. But in space, I figured out another way. By having a vibrato wave running on a constant tone, you can put the molecular structure of the metal internally exactly where you want it. In this case, I made a honeycomb, one of the most strongest load-bearing designs in Mother Nature. Mm -hmm. My metal came back. It was no thicker than your thumbnail, but in a sheer test, it's got a thousand times the strength of titanium. Weighs less than styrofoam, and it's crystal clear. You can see right through it. Trans steel. How about that? And um, that's I got that idea when I saw this at Area 51. Because I was trying to figure out how do you manufacture something so big without any nuts, screws, bolts, rivets, well seams, nothing. You do it like that. Like I made that piece of metal. So, uh, you, know, you keep talking and, and all the source that of information that you're getting in your dreams, but then you see this in honeycombs, you see them in certain places around the world, in Ireland, coming from the floor, these honeycomb 
pieces of silicone or silica. I mean, this is the Fibonacci sequence all over the place. Yeah, it's just, you know, I'm I'm not, I think I'm just using normal natural things and, you know, here on Earth, terrestrial made, but using an entirely different way. But anyway, um, that was a question I had for them, and they were annoyed. <laughs> then I asked them if I could climb up on the stage and put my hands on this thing. Well, the Air Force people, base personnel, didn't want that done, but Rudolph said, let him do it. And that's one time when Rudolph and I were more of a partnership type situation. He's a scientist. So Dr. Rudolph was calling the shots. Absolutely. Absolutely. He um, he was in charge. And the base personnel didn't care for it too much. I mean, just, you can see there's animosity there. So anyway, uh, Rudolph wanted to see interaction. And that's when I got up on the stage, the base personnel asked me this, and I knew that's when we got, we're going to have problems here. They said, the people that built this thing aren't around. <laughs> the, you know, said, You're on summer vacation. It's June. And I said, they went on vacation. I said, okay. <laughs> uh, we want to know if you could help us understand how this thing runs. Well, wait a minute. What about the people in it? They went on vacation? I said, did they leave any notes? Can I look at? I said, well, you know, you have homework in school. They had to take their notes for homework. And I'm going, well, oh, please, give me a break. And um, so I'm like, okay. So they're treating uh, you like a child in that regard. Well, think about it. It's 1971. How did adults talk to 17-year-olds? <laughs> right. You know, just stay with reality here. You know, they're condescending. Exactly. Oh, I went, okay, so they went on vacation and <laughs> took their homework with them. They said, can you tell us how this thing um, initiates? And I'm sitting there going, they haven't got a clue. They're trying to figure all this stuff out. And I said, well, can you explain to me how this thing got constructed? I don't see a river, a screw, a bolt, nothing. And I said, oh, that's the, the people that... Um, Went on vacation. Doesn't have to tell you that. <laughs> okay. So I turn around and I walk up to this thing. And the first thing I notice is my shadow on the hull of this thing. And what did I just say about the area? The, the no shadows. This thing's got my shadow. So I stick out my arms and I flap them like I'm going to fly. And guess what my shadow does? It's a fraction of a second behind me. So I'm going, oh, man, I'm looking around. There's no light fixtures. And I went, I move, and it's just a slight uh, split of a second behind me. And first thing I thought of, that this alloy is some kind of picking up radiation heat off my body. It's a heat-sensitive reaction alloy. They're thermal, yeah. Yeah, thermal alloy. I thought, God, that's really cool. Who the hell built that? So I come to find out later, that's not what it is. So I put the thing is ectoskeleton um, in in shape. Think of a giant hourglass, two octopuses having sex, built in an hourglass formation, all the tentacles and arms wrapped around each other, which is actually the magnetic 
the magnets as they're spun. And um, how big, width, in your opinion, height? Size of a size of an eighteen wheel semi. Okay. So, and it's it's I'm looking at it, and then it's skeleton structures on the outside. So sector skeleton. Think of Sagoni Weaver. Um, yeah, I'm alien. You got H.R. Geiger. That's the guy who designed all of the alien movies. Swear to God, he must have seen something like this. Um, it has an ectoskeleton structure that looks like bones and vertebrates. But in the bone and vertebrates are these tubes and are cascading over the entire body of this thing. And if you stand back and look at it, the way the tubes are cascading, they look just like the neural network of a of a brain. So it's exoskeleton with some kind of neural network fibers around it. So inside. like a biocomputer, like organic? Yeah, this thing yeah, that's that's what so hard to describe. This thing is both. It is metallic in looks and is organic in looks. It's both. I can't even describe it. Best thing to say, it's alien. Did you touch it? I don't it? know how to describe it. That's just, I've got nothing to compare it to. Did you touch uh, it? Yeah. That's, that's, that's where it gets interesting. Uh, it's cool in a room, right? Well, when I touch it, it's warm. About body temperature. And I'm going, I'm looking around. There's no wires plugged to or anything. I thought, how can this thing be this warm? in this cool of a room and it's supposed to be metallic and I'm like, it's generating its own heat. <laughs> that means it's organic or it's right. got some kind of power source. What is up with this thing? So, um, I get, put my hands on it and you have to feel, well, I forgot to tell you, there's neurofibers. There's a liquid running through them and the liquid looks like most people don't get it. When I tell them the older people do, um, it looks like methylate. Remember the color of methylate? Mercurochrome? Mm hmm. Uh, that's what looked like was running through these tubes. And it's, it's, it's an iridescent color. And it looks like it could light up good. I don't, I don't know. It, but you could clearly see it and it was just slightly illuminating. Uh, about the same intensity as a lightning bug. And I thought it was really kind of an orangey reddish. Yes, a methylate. Yeah. So and that's in the tubes and it's running all over his body and I have no idea what that is. So I put my hands on it and it feels. I went to um, I'd been to um, Ocean World and um, or whatever where they have dolphins you can pet. And this thing feels not like metal. Feels like feels like a dolphin uh, skin or or something. And then I noticed there's a reaction on the touch point where I'm at. I thought, what was that? So I saw a light. So I laid my hands, I laid my hand flat on it, and it, it like I said, it's a little warm. And then all around my hand was this these color waves started emitting from my hand going down and fading out as it goes down away from my hand. But it's like, you, you know, the thing they have for executives that are stressed out and they got this thing called the motion wave 
you know, with blue and white and it rocks back and forth. Yes. Well, that's how the light was moving. It was like an ocean wave and it was about the same color, blue and white. It was just cascading wave from wherever I was touching it. And I thought, man, that is so cool. So I'm crawling up this thing and I get up to on top of it and the top in the center of it looks like a, a like vertebrates, like a spinal column. And I'm stepping over the vertebrates as I'm walking along it, and I'm heading toward the center of it. Now, up at the center on the side that was facing out is this big hole that's been, you know, blown in its side or whatever. And um, so I get up to that hole. I was going to ask you if there was any damage, because obviously if this thing came from somewhere else, crashed, how was it retrieved? Did you see any damage aside from that hole? Other than that hole, no, uh, because down on the bottom and up at the top on both ends uh, were these, um, it looked like the a ball of a ball and socket of a joint. These big ball sockets were uh, four of them on each end. Mm-hmm. And that looks like where this thing was plugged into uh, a spacecraft or whatever device. What this thing is, this thing is a pyre plant. That's why I was, they probably brought me there because this is a fusion containment pyre plant and it was probably plugged the way the fittings looked and the structure of it. It just looked like an engine that you take. So you out. think, you think this is a part of perhaps a spacecraft? And this is the part they showed you, but this, I was thinking maybe this is a spacecraft, but could it be apart from a spacecraft, the power source? It's the power source of a spacecraft. Uh, I'm, I, I'm dead certain of that. Um, also, in proportion to the size of it and the size of the craft, that craft has got to be enormous. It's, I mean, it's not what people describe in UFOs, you know, 100-foot diameter. No, this thing is powering something really big, like a size of a destroyer. Mm-hmm. It's big, whatever it came out of. And it was you could it was designed where it could be plugged in and plugged out, which really is a great design because imagine a spacecraft lands somewhere. They could disengage the engine, and now they got a power plant to run their facility. Exactly. Yeah. Really smart. But there's more. This thing, it, <laughs> I don't know, it's a kiss. If I had never seen an alien, okay, never seen an alien, I've never even seen a UFO. I, can, I won't tell you I've seen something I hadn't seen, but I will tell you what, I, what I've seen and what I think it is. So don't ask me if I've seen an alien. No, I, I've, I've never seen an alien, never seen a, a spacecraft. But I've seen a, a power plant that I know did not come from us. And that's where the argument started. I'm standing over top of the, the big hole. And I turn around and talk to them down at the floor, the base personnel, Rudolph. They're all standing down and looking up. And I go, you know, guys, um, let me just, let's just get to the point of things here. This is some kind of power plant device. It drives some kind of spacecraft. Where's the spacecraft? And if it's got a spacecraft, we've got a crew. Where's the crew? Did you pickle them? Oh, man, did that set them off. And then I told him, I said, if you pickle the crew, you know. 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.